Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Pharmadelic Experience podcast. I'm your host David Kolosic and today I had the privilege to speak with Stephen Mesham. We talked about his beginnings, how he got interested working in the pharmaceutical industry and then we focused on his internships that he did as a student in WorkHard and AstraZeneca as well as his pre-registration year in Guys and St. Thomas Hospitals and GSK. After registering as a pharmacist, Stephen had an important decision to make whether to do a PhD or continue his journey in the pharmaceutical industry. He decided to stay with the GSK, where he now works as a pharmaceutical science associate focusing on materials science as the first of the three rotations of the Future Leaders program. Throughout the podcast, Stephen shares a lot of useful advice on applying for jobs, how to prepare for the interviews, and how to take the full advantage of the opportunities at the start of your career, which I'm convinced will help you kickstart your professional journey. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hey, Stephen, long time. How's it going? Hey, David, how are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm so happy to have you on this podcast. Like, we've known each other since 2013 or so, when we met first time at the BPSA, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, must have been Kiel. How's it been since? You've been doing so many things, like we haven't spoken in quite some time and so many things have changed. You went from the area coordinator all the way to the president of the British Pharmaceutical Students Association, then you're now the GSK. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of different things in between as well. So it's, it's been busy, uh, pretty much the same as you as well, Keep it, keeping, keeping myself busy, doing different things. Always keeping it busy, yeah. So if we go a little bit back, like when you joined the School of Pharmacy, you decided quite early on to get involved in the associations. What made you join or what was the reason that you wanted to join the association and start doing things more proactively? I think for me, I, I, I wanted to just get involved in, um, and I, I've always wanted my career to be more than just just a nine to five job that I go to and and, and forget about it. For me, it's it's sort of a way of life type of thing. I want to to get involved in things as much as I can. I'm I'm very much that type of personality where when I enjoy something and I like something, I I, I can not really turn my mind off from it. So I suppose it was that and, and sort of wanting to get involved and learn learn more about the profession and and sort of develop my skills for for the future because I, I knew by getting involved with with these sorts of associations, I'd, be, I'd get opportunities that I would not otherwise get during my studies. And did you know early on that you wanted to join the industry or this is this something that you found out about throughout your studies and throughout all these meetings and congresses that you attended? Yeah, it was, def- it was definitely from the BPSA that I learned um, that that industry was, was sort of the career I wanted to go into. I think um, when, when I started my, my, my degree, my focus was... Almost, I was almost certain I was going into hospital to be a hospital pharmacist, because um, when I started the degree, I thought there was pretty much two careers for pharmacists, and that was number one in the shop in a community pharmacy, and number two in hospital. And then I started attending the BPSA conferences, and I remember attending the Science and Practice conference in Nottingham, and I think it was in 2012, and um, there was a, a couple of speakers there from industry. And that sort of lit a fire in me to, to, to that that this was the career I wanted. I think what attracted me to it was the the collaboration and the the teamwork to build 
something that is used by millions of patients across the world and to make sure patients have got medicines, great medicines. And, and, and for me, it, it was definitely that. And actually it, it, it's quite funny how things come around because one of the speakers at that conference actually was my pre-reg tutor when I did my pre-reg at GSK. Oh, wow. So it was actually kind of the, the network, wasn't it? It was kind of getting to know new people. And then when you were talking to them and looking at all these presentations, you realize, okay, wow, I don't only have two options. Like you said, community pharmacy and hospital. There's so much more, isn't it? Yeah. So, so for me, I, I definitely thought it was, it was those two options. I went to the science and practice conference and, and there was people there from academia. There was entrepreneurs and um, there, there was, like I said, industry and, for me, it sort of just it really lit a fire in me to to, to be to, to give myself the best opportunity to do what I, what I was capable of doing and to to be the best that I could be as a pharmacist. And I have the same feeling when I was at my school. They also gave us the two options. They said, well, 80% of the people go into community pharmacy, 17% go into clinical hospital pharmacy, and only 3% would go into industry. And that said, don't bother. You don't even have any chances. And what I was missing back then was they only said industry. They didn't really give us any understanding of what exists. So the formulation, science, production, quality, regulatory. Did you also have the same feeling at your school? Was it then always the BPSA that gave you this broad understanding of all the possibilities that you have? Or is this only what you are understanding today when you actually work in the industry? No, I think it's probably a mixture of both. I think the BPSA and, and that outward exposure being exposed to people within the industry. So, so for example, in that conference, there was, I think, three different speakers from industry and all three of them were doing very different things. So, so that sort of made me think, well, there must be a, a really varied career opportunity in industry. And I think it was only when I, I started looking up about it and then really, I, I didn't really know the, the full extent of it. And, and if I'm honest, I probably still don't know the full extent of, of job opportunities available within industry for pharmacists. But I did a summer placement at AstraZeneca during my third year summer. And I think what we were sort of, we were encouraged to go and speak to pe- people across the business in different functions. And every time I spoke to people, they were pharmacists and they were doing very, very different jobs. And it sort of made me realize that as a pharmacist, with a pharmacist background, there's very few areas of industry where we're not automatically suited to, to be in as a pharmacist. And I think that that's a really great thing and, and a real opportunity for us as a profession to, to, to maximize what we can do. That's not to take away from the value in community and hospital, because obviously there's no point in, in, in my company making great medicines if the patients aren't taking them very well, aren't taking them properly. And if the knowledge isn't there, from a primary care point of view and a secondary care point of view. But for me, it was just that real career opportunity and development opportunity to, to have a broad career that really interested me in industry. And I think this is the real value of the profession, isn't it? Like we can make impact in so many different areas. And that's very good, I think, not only for the, for the companies, but also for the end consumers, which are the patients. You mentioned AstraZeneca. Was this the first time you stepped into industry? Well, no, because I did a two-week sort of shadow and placement at Wachart, the generic company, and that that was very much focused on quality, so QC, QA, batch release testing, and then I did a little tiny bit of formulations in that placement. That was my first real 
step into industry, but AstraZeneca was my first step into a global pharma company, which a sort of an, an innovative pharma company, yeah. And what was your focus in, in this placement? Did you have to work on some kind of a project? What were you involved in? Yeah, so I had a project and I was looking at a microfluidic platform to make nanomedicines. So it was a very sort of proof of concept type of, of, of project. It was really exciting because there was a lot of new things coming out in that area. So it was sort of at the cutting edge, which was really interesting. So this was kind of a research and development kind of role, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was in, in one of the early development teams, as early as you can be as a, um, as a formulator. Nice. So you've actually experienced like your first placement was kind of a QA, quality control, quality assurance. Then you stepped into research and development. And then after finishing your degree and when you started your pre-registration year, you went more into formulation, more into production? Yeah, but before that, I was in um, Guys in St. Thomas's Hospital as a, a hospital pharmacist pre-reg, which was very much hands-on with patients doing drug histories, medicines reconciliations, medicines information, rotating around the, the pharmacy department and learning and learning all about that, really getting some good patient experience. And then, like you said, I went into GSK into the formulations department. So that was later formulation. So actually, I was looking at, at medicines which are, have already been approved for their clinical use, but we were reformulating them into pediatric products. So it was very much the opposite end of the research and development area that I was at AstraZeneca. So you've kind of experienced the full life cycle of the medicine. Being in the hospital for seven or eight months, like seeing the patients and then taking this to the industry, has this made an impact on you, on your, like, on your daily work, understanding that what you're doing is actually really benefiting the patients in the real world? Absolutely. And I think you just hit the nail on the head there when you said, I see in the full process. Uh, in terms of AstraZeneca and, GS and GSK, my pre-reg, I only really saw the full R&D process as a drug development and medicines development sort of thing. But as a pharmacist, we, we really do have that end-to-end insight into, into the pharmaceutical industry. So we have some understanding of early discovery in terms of the medicinal chemistry, the pharmacology, those sorts of chemical tests, and then clinical trials and and the clinical development of, of pharmaceuticals, we we have experience in that. We then have experience in formulations and formulation development. On top of that, we understand manufacturing and, and GMP and, and those sorts of things. And then once your, your patient, sorry, once your medicine has gone to your patient, we as pharmacists have a, have a real understanding of how patients use medicines, how wh whether patients are compliant or not. Um, the, the, the problems patients do have with medicines. So we're, we're really lucky in that we get to see that full sort of uh, bench to bedside of a medicine, which in my opinion, no other profession gets to see. I fully agree. And I think having this understanding makes it much, much easier because you can actually imagine how things work, like you said, from bench to the bedside. You decided after pre-reg you wanted to continue in the GSK. So my understanding is that you joined the graduate scheme, which has rotations. Can you tell me a bit more about this whole program, about your interviews, about the on-site assessment center? How did this all work out? Well, when I was about halfway through my pre-reg, so when I was still in the hospital before, but before I went to GSK, I, I, 
all the applications were opening for, for jobs in terms of hospital pharmacy jobs, graduate schemes, PhDs. And I applied for a number of PhDs and one of them I was really, really keen on. So it was sort of nanomedicine, so following the kind of work that I did at AstraZeneca. In terms of novel, in terms of novel formulations, I was almost set that I was going to do a PhD. And I'd also applied for the G- GSK graduate scheme, so the Future Leaders Programme in Pharmaceutical Science within the manufacturing division of the company. I was invited, I was fortunate to be invited to the assessment centre. And before the assessment centre, I remember saying to who's now my wife we got married this year I, I remember saying i'm not sure i want to go to this because i'm pretty certain i want to do a phd and he said well you've got nothing to lose if you don't really want it you go and you don't do well then it doesn't really matter you just don't get a job from it and you go and do the phd anyway but if you do do well it might change your mind or and it's also good experience in terms of interview experience so i thought well yeah that makes makes a lot of sense so i went to the interview and actually it was, so, so GSK had, had values and you sort of see them on the website and when, you, when you're preparing for interviews, you come across these values. And it was only from going to the assessment center that I thought, actually, this company lives these values. It was, so I was made the offer of a place, um, I can't remember what day it was, but I said that, right, my situation is I'm, I've also applied for a PhD and I want to go to the interview for the PhD. And the, the HR guy from GSK said, we're absolutely happy to wait for you to make your decision because we want you to make the right decision. Um, if there's anything we can do to help you make your decision, please let us know. And the, the program director for my graduate scheme called me up that evening and just essentially said the same thing, like, if there's any questions. So I spoke to him and I said, Look, my, my situation is I'm looking at doing a PhD. I know I want to go into industry. And, and we had a long talk. After that talk and talking to a couple of my mentors, I realized that actually this was really where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in industry, so why why wait? Why not do it now instead of getting a PhD and going in that way? Now, I don't think that was the right or the wrong way of doing it. It was just, for, for me, it was, it was absolutely the right decision. And I remember just as I started the GSK on the grad scheme, I just finished the, my, my pre-reg. And I remember saying to, to, to my wife that I was so happy that I did choose GSK because if I was going to do a PhD now, I don't think I would be fully committed because I really want to stay in industry after having the six months of the pre-reg. So it's funny how things turn out. But in terms of the the application process, they are very intensive and they're looking they're looking to see if you're the right fit to, for the company, essentially. So my advice to anyone applying is, is find the companies that you um, align with your values so the GSK values are trust respect integrity and patient first and for me that is what I think a pharmacist is and what I think is my professional identity so I really sort of resonated with those values it's really important when you're making applications to understand a lot about the company uh, as much as you can an easier way of doing that is to look at the investor pages on the on the company website, I found those to be a lot more useful than the the, the other parts of the website because they sort of they have the pipeline of the company, they have the strategic direction of the company, they have the financial information, which which is great if you understand it. But it really gives you an all round feel for the company, and I think that's what I, where I would start for, for preparation for an interview. That's a very interesting experience. 
you were mentioning that they were testing your values and I've seen this in other companies as well. Like the companies really want you to fit the values and to live the values. How were they testing these values? Were they kind of situational questions or were they looking into your personality traits? How did they really understand if you live the GSK values? So, so they really do it in, I think in a, in a number of ways. Um, I, I've not been an assessor, so I can't say for sure that this is what they do, but there's, during my assessment center there was group exercises case studies role play face-to-face interviews so i think they try and do it in as many ways as possible from a lot of different angles one of the things to to really understand is interview strategy when you're going into these things and definitely practice it and do some mock interviews and think about the kind of questions that are likely to to be asked and and and, and what the questions actually mean just because they ask a question doesn't mean you need to answer the question as it is and that's it. Think about what they, they're they really trying to get from that question. Because at the end of the day, an interviewer is looking, like you've just said, an interviewer is really looking to see, do you fit the values and do you live the values? So give as many examples as possible to how you do meet the, the value that you think they're, they're asking for. When you apply for the company, let's say in this case for the GSK, do you think for anyone applying, let's say today, is it valuable to speak with someone from the company to understand from the other side? Because I'm just thinking now, if I only look at the website and all these financial documents and investor documents, etc., sometimes you don't really feel how it is to live that value. Do you think it's beneficial to, let's say, have a chat with someone who works in that company to understand what it actually is to work in that particular company? Yeah, 100%. I think as as many people as you can talk to and, and understand a bit about the business, the better. I think when I was preparing for my AstraZeneca interviews, I um, I, I spoke to my one of my lecturers who'd done, done a, a, lot, a lot, number of years of service with AstraZeneca, and I really tried to understand about the company from him because I didn't know anybody at the company at the time. Uh, when I was doing my GSK interviews, I tried to speak to people who were were on the program to understand their experiences of the program. I, I, I wasn't after any inside information because you're not going to get that, and, and obviously that's not not what you want to do. You don't want to to sort of trick your way into a company, but you can really understand about the program, about the company, way more by speaking to people. If if you're fortunate enough to be connected with people who work in the company. And also you mentioned when you were inside the company in AstraZeneca, and I assume also now, you try to get as much exposure to different areas as possible by speaking to different people and understanding their skills, knowledge, etc. right? Yeah. I think well, one of the really interesting things that I've always found is that if you ask somebody to talk to you about their job or their career, almost everybody's happy to do so. I think I've probably, in the last couple of years, I've probably asked upwards of 50 people if I can talk to them about their career and their jobs, and I've never had a no. Nobody's ever said, well, actually, no, I haven't got time, or no, it's not something I'm interested in. Because I think most people like to share their experiences and, and, and like to help people develop that understanding of other areas. And I think that's very important because if you understand what other people do and other people understand what you do, it's much easier to collaborate, isn't it? It's much easier to get into their shoes and... When you have to do something for a different team, it's easier if you have a mutual trust and understanding. Yeah, definitely. So so some of my projects this year, I've been working with 
global product owners or people who who look after certain products for the for the whole of the world. And I took some time out to speak to one of them and understand his role and and, and what he has to do. And that really made me understand what he wanted from me and what was most important for me to do for him. So I think understanding other people's roles and uh, and what they do and what their pressures are can really help you to form a great working relationship. I fully agree. Before you mentioned that you started your graduate scheme in pharmaceutical sciences. So if we go a bit back, can you explain a bit more about the rotations, the first rotation you've done, the one you're doing at the moment, what do you do on a daily basis, what kind of projects are involved? And then we can also talk a bit about the future. So what's coming up in the next rotation? Yeah, so I've actually only done one rotation. So the structure of the Future Leaders program in manufacturing is that we do a 16-month rotation a 12-month rotation and then an eight-month rotation and that makes up your three years on the program and I think the reason it's it's sort of front-loaded with time is because for most people that would be their first role within GSK and within industry so it, it gives you time to bed in and understand processes and, and, and ways of working and, and really get to know the company before you you start delivering whereas as we go on through the program we should be getting better at delivering and we should know the company by the time we go into our second and third rotation that it's just about learning the new teams where you're working rather than the whole company and my first rotation was in material science which is a it's a global support function within manufacturing so we can work with any of the sites in the network including consumer health um, so that that is i believe over 80 sites way over 200 products we will be called in when they have, for example, materials changes. So if they're changing a source of supplier from from one source to another, then we, we will interrogate that the, the suppliers and, and make sure that they're fit for purpose. Or we will be called in when people are doing a root cause assessment of of what's gone wrong in a process, and 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 we will be doing this sort of analytical testing to to support theories and, and, and to, to really deep dive into the problem and to hopefully suggest solutions. So you're also involved in actually testing the materials, looking at the differences between different suppliers, also when it comes to deviations and these kind of things, product recalls. And you have to have a very good understanding of all the chemicals and materials, right? Did the school prepare you for this when you were studying at the School of Pharmacy or did you have to learn everything from scratch? It wasn't really from scratch, but it was from a very basic level. So, for example, we understand particle sizing from our our pharmaceutical lectures, and a lot of what I do is covered in in Alton's pharmaceutics, which is, as any of the pharmacists know, is one of the core pharmaceutics texts that that we use during the degree. But we don't know it in a lot of detail, so it was it was very much upskilling on the job. I knew a little bit about most of what we do in the team but I didn't know enough detail to be able to actually do it myself. So it's very much upskilling on the job. And I think I think that's the case for, for even hospital pharmacists and community pharmacists. I think there's very little that the degree teaches you that you can directly apply every single day for the rest of your career. But what, what our degree does teach us is how to be flexible learners and how to pick things up easily and quickly. And we understand a little bit about a lot, which makes that a little bit easier. I agree. I think we get the the ground basis on things, but the world is changing so quickly that it's impossible. Like whatever you learned in school four years ago, 
might already be outdated because there's the new knowledge out there, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, definitely. What does your day-to-day -day look like? I would assume it must be very flexible, flexible because it depends on the case you have, isn't it? But do you have any things that you do like quite routinely as well? Most most weeks that there'll be days when I'll be doing some actual lab testing, some writing up. So that is is the sort of the testing and the writing up and, and the the presenting that to, to our customers is the is the bread and butter of what we do. Um, I also do quite a lot of development being on the grad scheme. I'm, I'm fortunate to have a lot of development opportunities given to me. I think a, a normal day, I, I try to get into work before half eight, check, check my emails, make sure nothing's happened since, since I went home now and I, I need to action quickly. Um, I'll go and set up some analysis, start, start doing some, some writing up or, or some presentations, possibly speak to, to, to our customers and, and develop a new work plan for the next project or feeding back some information that we've got from the last project. And, and then I might have a one-to-one -one with either my manager or one of my mentors. Uh, and, and that's a, a pretty normal, normal-ish day. Um, and I usually leave the office around five. I assume that the graduate scheme has a lot of development opportunities. So I would assume that you have some mentors, some training and development plan. How does this fit within your projects and your daily work? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things our company is really good at is is giving us that that sort of time to develop. So we, we have an internal model where we spend X amount of time on project work and we have X amount of time on development relationships. So that's mentors, experts, those sorts of things. And, and, and then another amount of time on formal learning, where we can do courses, our own reading, and that sort of thing. And I'm, I've actually, I've started a distance learning master's in data science, sorry, data analytics, which is, is supported by the company. And, and that's because that's something I was particularly interested in. And I didn't have a lot of, of knowledge or skills in it so I, and I've noticed that data seems to be something that's of increasing importance in general in the world but also in pharma so I think that was something I wanted to upskill myself in and the opportunity came to do the master so I, so I took it. So you have a lot of flexibility in terms of how you want to develop yourself and the learning opportunities you get throughout the scheme and your career? Definitely, and, and there's nothing. So I didn't start, and I was told, right, this is your learning plan for the next three years. It was very much driven by me, it, it, even so far as uh, as getting mentors and and that sort of thing. I think there's a couple of mandatory trainings that we have to do, and there's obviously the GMP sort of mandatory training that we have to do, being on a manufacturing side. But our, our sort of core development is very much self-driven. That's brilliant because then you can really develop yourself into the professional you want to be. And I guess this fulfills you and makes you a, a better professional as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. I, I think like if I was to be told I had to develop in a certain way, I don't think I would be as passionate about doing it as if I, I was saying this is where I want to develop. Um, and I'm very lucky to work in a company that if I say I want to develop in this way, there's usually someone in the company who's an expert in it already and I can go and talk to them and, and, and learn something about it and, and decide if I do want to pursue that sort of development. That's fantastic. I think that's the, that's the right way to um, 
to develop the colleagues and uh, the young professionals into the, the future leaders. Looking at the future, you have how many, how many rotations do you have left and what's, what are the plans for the graduate scheme? So I have a 12-month rotation left which starts in January and then an eight-month rotation which starts in January 29, uh, sorry, 2020. So in January 2019, I'm going into an informatics role which is essentially bringing data solutions onto sites and then I don't know what my last rotation will be. I think it's sort of self-driven and sort of business-driven. So I'll be keeping my eye out for opportunities to develop it depending on on what happens in my next rotation and where I see myself going. Even these rotations are quite flexible, right? So you're kind of driving towards the role or position that you see would fit you best as you go throughout the whole scheme. Yeah, definitely. And that's what happens with my, my next rotation that's coming up. Like I said, I was... I noticed that data was becoming pretty important in pharma. So I started the master's and I also, I sought out a a data-based rotation. So so I spoke to my program lead and I said, I'm interested in data. And he pointed me in the direction of who is now going to be my my next line manager. And said, go and speak to to this person and see if, if they have any opportunities for you to join their team. That's fantastic. In terms of skills, what kind of skills do you think students and now young professionals entering the job market should be developing. I would assume it's soft skills. How could they go ahead with developing these so that when they have the job interviews and when they're entering the market, they can actually start utilizing them? So for me, that's that's a really easy question to answer. So like I said, I did quite a lot of work with BPSA during my studies. So I was always involved in BPSA from first year and that really helped me to develop all the core core soft skills that I'm now going to talk about with it in terms of that that interpersonal skills, the problem solving skills, and and dealing with pressure and, and and working well under pressure. That's very much what I developed in my experience in in the BPSA roles. So, for example, when I was an area coordinator, I had to organise a couple of conferences. One of them had over 450 delegates, so I had to make sure that everything was sort of sorted for for their lunches for times in and times out and registering people so i had to lead a team on that day of other people from the bpsa team and i think that gave, those sorts of experiences are invaluable in giving you those sort of leadership skills and dealing with problem skills and thinking on the spot that you really need for a successful career in in any industry really sometimes when i speak with people i think this is right like try to take as many opportunities as you can. Sometimes people know exactly where they want to go. Sometimes they don't have any clue what they want to do with their careers. Do you think there's any other opportunities as well that they could take on doing the webinars or trying to find people through LinkedIn and talking to them? What, what do you think would be the best possibilities people to take to understand what they can take out of their careers after they graduate? It's yeah, a challenging question because you don't know what you don't know. So there's probably way more careers that I even know about than there are that I don't know about in terms of a pharmacist doing amazing things in, in, in different industries, in the healthcare industries and, and beyond. And I think it's just keep your eye open, attend as many 
events as you can in terms of BPSA, RPS and other things. And, and for example, what you're doing is, is a really great idea because you're you're broadening people's horizons and showing them that, that there's way more out there that they can do. And one of the important things is don't neglect the core pharmacy roles so the so the community and the hospital roles. I think there's a lot of really rewarding careers to be had within those sectors if that's what you want. And even when you're developing, so when you're you're in, in first, second, third and fourth year, get as much experience in those as you can as well, because that's where you being a pharmacist, that's where you, where you set yourself apart from from somebody with a pharmaceutical science degree or somebody with a, a chemistry degree is understanding the patient journey. And I think that's one of our, our key things. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't neglect the the normal roles, but also keep your eye out for the for the abnormal roles and for the stuff that sounds a little bit interesting and a little bit different. I fully agree with you. And I can see this in my career as well. I've been changing quite a lot. I've done, I've done some internships in, uh, in the hospital then I switched into industry. Now I'm going into a technology company, so completely going out of the pharmacy field, but still closely linked to the life sciences industry. And I, I think like every new job that I do and every new field that I do, it, it's every time it's kind of, okay, I'm getting closer to my why, like to what I want to do, but I still loved every job I did before. And I'm still taking all these experiences from previous jobs into my current one. And I think this is the same thing you were mentioning when you were at the bedside in the clinical pharmacy, you're working with patients and doing some very early research and development and now doing this more advanced uh, development of materials, etc. Um, so I can see a lot of parallels in trying a lot of things and risking because I think sometimes people are a bit hesitant to try something new. So if you work in community pharmacy for multiple years or you work in quality management for multiple years, I tend to see that some people get a bit stuck and they don't really know how to, how to get out of it. And what I see with graduate schemes, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the beautiful thing is that it gives you a lot of flexibility and you're changing a lot as well. So you can find what works best for you. And I think based on the rotations that you have and all the internships you had, you can make that best choice in what career would fulfill you in the long term. Absolutely, and and I think, in terms of knowing what you want to do, I think when I was when I went to that science practice conference in first year, and I thought industry seems really cool. It's really easy when you're doing your four years of studies to think industry is where I want to go, but then when you get into industry, there's thousands and thousands of avenues I could go down. So I, I would say I know less now what I want to do in my future than I ever have, and that's not a bad thing. I think. I'm just trying different things. The beauty of the grad scheme is that I'm forced to rotate so I can't get comfortable in a role and, and, and then look back five years later and think, oh, maybe I should try something different because I have to because the, the, that's what this, this role demands of me is, is I have to do different rotations. But I think that is something that I think will stand me in, in very good stead in the future in that I'll have a number of broad experiences that I'll be able to draw on in any future roles. I fully agree. And I think this helps a lot in your, in your future career. This was a very nice chat. I, I really enjoyed this. I've learned new things. It was nice catching up with you. Maybe before we finish, do you have any final advice you would like to give to all the students and young professionals who are just 
entering the market. Yep. My one piece of key advice would be to be passionate. Um, when I was doing my applications, I, I always got somebody to, to look over them. And one of my lectures, lecturers said he hates that I use the P word all the time, being passion. And I think he's probably right. You don't need to write it down in your CV. You don't need to write it down in your cover letter. But what you really do need to is you need to show the person that you're passionate and you need to demonstrate it without saying I'm passionate to you. So that to me, I think if anyone's passionate, it's very hard to not like them in terms of anything really. I think for, for me, even if you're talking about comic book books which I know nothing about if somebody's passionate about comic books that instantly makes them more interesting to me it makes comic books more interesting than me even though I've no interest in it and I think if you can be passionate and you can get that passion across when you're interviewing and, and when you're networking then you can't go far wrong because in the end it's not the words right it's the energy it's the body language that speaks thousands of words yeah, like, like say a picture's worth a thousand words. So, so is your energy and the way you come across. I fully agree. Stephen, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Next time I'm in London, I will definitely message you and uh, we should meet up after a long, long time. Definitely, David. It has been too, far too long. It was, it was, but uh, we'll catch up soon. So I'll, I'll speak with you soon. I wish you all the best with your graduate scheme and I hope that you find the career that fulfills you. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you for listening to the Famodelic Experience podcast. You can follow Famodelic on Instagram and Facebook at Famodelic and follow me on LinkedIn. Just search for my name, David Kolosic. You can also subscribe to our Telegram channel at Famodelic to be the first one to receive job listings, career advice and similar directly to your mobile every day. I hope you enjoyed the content and if you did, please help us out by sharing with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on your favorite platform to always keep up. This is David, signing off.